Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of The Work Podcast. My colleague and long-term friend, John Sumser, and I, I'm Gina Kelly, co-host this, hopefully on a weekly basis. Today, we are delighted to welcome Amy Dufresne, who is the CEO of HRCI and HRSI, two very familiar acronyms in the HR industry. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's start off by explaining what those acronyms actually stand for. Well, thanks for the invitation, Gina and John. It's great to be here. Um, HRCI uh, is known as the HR Certification Institute. And because we're celebrating our 50th anniversary, uh, we've shortened it to HRSI because we're all into acronyms these days. Um, HRCI is the longest running certification program on the planet. We've certified more than a half a million people around the globe. Uh, we have certifications for individuals that are starting out in HR all the way up to senior level and that are serving the HR profession in a, from a global perspective. And HRSI, which might be newer to some folks in HR, is the Human Resource Standards Institute. Uh, it is celebrating its 18-month-ish anniversary. Um, and the organization uh, is set up uh, to certify organizations against standards that are coming out of ISO. ISO is the International Standards Organization. And every single uh, ISO group, there are technical committees. Um, these technical committees are called TC260 for human resources management. That's specifically for HR. There are lots of other uh, technical committees, but we are at HRCI. We're the secretariat for TC260. And at HRSI, we're certifying against the standards that are coming out of TC260. So we're really excited about the work that's happening. And we are certifying organizations against diversity and inclusion, the standard, which is known as ISO 30415. And one that is... Um, you know, getting a lot of interest from the SEC, which is uh, ISO 30414, which is human capital reporting, which is a standard for publicly traded organizations to recognize on their balance sheet their most important resource, their people. So I'll pause, but that's <laughs> a little bit about HRCI and HRSI. I, I love seeing this degree of rigor in the industry. I, I just think this is amazing. And, and certainly ISO, of course, is a, is a gold standard. Um, I know John has a lot of questions, Amy, as we were coming into today's episode. Um, and, and John, I think you were mentioning something that, that we read this morning uh, that crossed desks, and it goes to AI and ethics in, in broadly in corporate America, uh, but also in HR. So, so Amy actually caught the the press release. Apparently, Microsoft is making some sort of public guarantee to cover liability for the use of their AI tools. I don't know, I don't know the details, but but when when Amy said this press release crossed my desk, I started laughing because because nobody can can assume the liability from an employer for the 
stuff that they do with their employees. It can be shared, you know, and there's emerging law that says there's emerging court cases that say a third party recruiter can be held liable for discrimination inside of a company. Right. That's in the last month or so. That's a change. That's a change. It was always the buck stopped at the company. So there's a there's an opening for product liability. And maybe Microsoft's argument is um, that there's an inevitability that AI will be held to consumer product liability standards um, that that um, should put everybody in the HR tech industry on alert because much of the um, I don't have a technical term for bullshit. Well, much of the <laughs> That's okay. We're allowed to say that word on this podcast. <laughs> much of the claims about the efficacy of AI and HR technology are just fatuous um, and um, built on algorithms that we don't understand that produce results that we haven't been able to quantify yet. And um, the idea that there's a a way for liability to be shared with the providers of that stuff is good news because it will increase the ethical quality thing. But my question for Amy was, given that ethics and practical usage of AI, implementation of AI is becoming central to HR, how do you guys handle that? Wow. So I think, you know, this is such an, an interesting topic and one that the global community, the global HR community is is grappling with. And um, I just wrote an article about this that was published in HR Professionals magazine and picked up in Iran. Um, by uh, one of our community members who said, I want to translate this and get this out to the HR community in Iran, because we're really trying to figure this out wow. as well. And um, I think that it, HR itself is trying to figure out how do we protect the organization, mitigate risk for the organization, explain to our employees that by using AI, there are implications, A, to make sure what we're using is correct. The information they're using is correct because we've all heard the stories about people who are um, using AI and going and, you know, standing in front of a judge and reciting what they got on chat GPT and it's completely incorrect. Mm -hmm. And, and that reflects poorly on the organization. So it's knowing that everything that's, that is, um, that's being generated has got to be tested and and looked at. And um, I think there was this huge push from an employee perspective. Oh, because AI is going to put me out of work. I'm not going to have a job anymore. So I'm, I'm just going to give up now. Well, no, it, your work is going to change and it's going to be different. And so HR's job is educating and upskilling those folks and, and getting them ready for what is next with how AI is going to impact their roles. Um, I just, I, I think this is super, super fascinating with the Microsoft release about how they believe in standing behind their customers when they use their products. They're sensitive to the concerns of authors and that Microsoft 
would rather than our customers assume the responsibility that they will assume it. And they built important guardrails into their co-pilots because everybody is saying it's all a co-pilot right now to help to respect authors' copyrights when they're using AI um, to produce something, whether it be a job description or what have you. And no other... Um, uh, Google hasn't done this yet. I mean, they may in the next you know few weeks follow suit with Microsoft as they all do. But um, I think they're putting a big stake in the ground around what this means. But I think back to sort of HR, um, HR has got this responsibility to ensure to educate employees on what this means to them, the safe use of of this technology to do jobs that are um, that you could you know, write a job description or do a social media post or put together a biography on somebody that you find on the internet that may or may not be true, but it's sort of educating people on how are we using AI? And and let's be real. I mean, organizations have been using AI for a long time, longer than, you know, and I think it's now sort of everybody is saying, oh, AI is the latest and greatest thing. But at, at HRCI, we've been using AI in different ways than what, you know, sort of the latest, you know, eight to 10 months have sort of um, that the technology and the rapidity in which it's, uh, you know, catapulted us into talking about this more. Um, I think that that HR has always been at the center of ethics. And at HRCI, we realize that, which is why every year when somebody has to recertify, or every three years when they have to recertify, they need to have one credit hour of ethics, just like a CPA does in the US. If you're um, you know, a CPA, you've got to have ethical credit hours as part of your recertification. So these are two professions by which you, ethics is really at the core of what we're, what we're doing in, in everything um, that we're seeing. So I, I think it's just, it, this is a fascinating um, topic and everybody is trying to get their arms around this. And, um, you know, Harvard Business Review, the last two issues, AI has been on the front cover. I just got the Washington Business Journal and I know they sort of have some of the same articles. It was all about this, this past week was all about AI. So we're, we're all just trying to navigate through this and figure it out. But you it's know, a the- fun time. It is. It's fascinating, though, because I'm sitting here and, you know, being being only 19, of course, I've only read about such things. But this reminds me of the the advent of the Internet when, you know, in the 1990s, all of a sudden everyone felt they they invented the Internet or discovered the Internet, I should say. And meanwhile, those of us who were like, you know, Unix programmers way back when, you know, or, or if you were part of an academic network, you knew about the internet. You used the internet. So, so you know, John, you're our resident AI expert. Are, are like, are we just? Did we just find a new bright shiny object and and uh, we're running around with it like a little kid? I think so. I think I think there's something new here. There's something new here, and it's been coming. You know, I've been I've been. Um, talking about it out in the wilderness for a decade or so, and um, you, you've been able to see it coming. But the um, the hu- human beings are so interesting. Human beings are so amazingly interesting. And what one of the things that's interesting about them is 
if a machine says it's it's dark outside and you look outside and it's not, you question yourself first. You don't question the machine first, um, mm-hmm. right? There is this there is this tendency, a very human tendency, to believe the speedometer, to believe the indicator from the machine over your senses. And that's where the ethical problems actually emerge with this stuff. And because the stuff has proliferated very, very rapidly, we now have people who are fundamentally ill-equipped to um, to be the guardians of ethics and um, safe use of the technology in the position of being the guardians of it. So, so if you wanted to pick a group who is least likely to be good at solving this problem, you would zero in on HR, I think. Why? Um, why do why do you say that, John? I'm curious. Well, because, you know, listen, we're just coming off a period of time where HR became the COVID czars. I, I mean, that's right. if anything, I think HR is used to dealing with situations that that span a wide spectrum. I, I'm so, curious. So, so, curious so, so, I'm pushing so, back so, on you so on that. I have I have never. Well, that's not true. I know some people in people analytics who are good at math, but generally speaking, People in HR are not good at math. Period. And so underlined. And in order to in order to understand what you're dealing with with AI, you have Uh to be good at math. Okay. You have to be good at understanding the difference between eighty percent and a hundred percent and what it takes to fill that gap. And so when you get a prediction that's eighty percent accurate, um you can't inherently trust that prediction if it's 80% accurate because there's a lot of room for error inside of that thing. But you have to be able to think mathematically about it to understand the risk associated with a particular answer out of a particular system. And go look. I don't know what's in HRCI. I haven't looked at it in, in a number of years. But the level of math training and math certification for HR people is low. It's low. Are we talking and, about, sti- I mean, listen, math is a broad topic. Are we talking <laughs> about statistics? We're talking about statistics. We're okay. exactly talking about statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, but statistics turn into math, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 they turn into this decision versus that decision, right? And so, so that's the first piece is math. The second piece is that HR functions in a power environment, and HR is an expression of the power structure of the organization, and ethics is important in HR, but ethics is fundamentally a business decision. Ethics, if it was a moral decision, that would be right and wrong. And if it was a legal decision, it would be compliant or non-compliant. Ethics is that mid-ground of business decision where it's not right or wrong, and it's not legal or illegal. It's in the muck. Um, And decisions about being in the muck inside of business tend to get resolved as a business decision rather than some other kind of a decision. Wow. (laughs) 
I'm going to ask you to pause. I'm going to ask Amy to weigh in. These are really loaded, no. these are loaded words you're they putting are. out there. Uh, they are. Oh, and, oh, oh, oh yeah. I wasn't supposed to be provocative. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we love when you're provocative. We encourage it. We encourage it. But but we have to give Amy her her moment, yeah. uh, her moment to step up and address some of this, especially given how close she is to HR as a function. Right. Yes. Right. So I, I have to push back on, on the financial acumen of, of HR professionals, because I think that, um, HR professionals are, have, have high financial acumen. They've got from a comp, when you look at compensation, you're looking at benefits, you are talking to CFOs about, um, hiring individuals. I just had a conversation with, with a CHRO for a major uh, health system who was having a conversation with her CFO and she was a finance person. I know a lot of finance people who have made the jump, made that leap from finance to HR. And um, she was making the argument that in one particular hospital system or hospital in their system, they're losing several hundred nurses every quarter and she can't hire them fast enough because she's trying to communicate. She's got the data and she's having this conversation with the finance person and saying, the data is showing there is a leadership problem and I need dollars because I've got to invest in leadership. I can't, as I'm getting, I'm hiring 250 nurses and I'm losing 250 nurses every quarter. I'm, my net is zero. I I can't hire these people fast enough. There is inherently a problem in this hospital and I've got to figure it out. So I think about that example is one where she's, she's going toe to toe with the CFO and having these conversations and showing the data and saying, this demonstrates we have a different problem. And you can give me all the resources from a recruiting perspective, but the net is going to be zero at the end of what I have from a headcount perspective, because I've, I've made no ground. We're losing money and having those data points and um, challenging HR to continue to go toe to toe with the with folks who are saying, show me the data and you are you're able to articulate from a, a financial perspective the cost of a program, you know, investing in leadership uh, uh, training um, and giving more money to HR, which, you know, by de facto in, in any organization is sort of the last bastion uh, from the budget, you know, perspective of where the money goes, because it all, you know, it all goes somewhere else. And, and I think HR has got to be better at this and communicating that, the value that it brings um, and being able to demonstrate through uh, those examples using analytics. Um, and I think we're, we've been having those conversations and bringing people to the table um, who are talking about this. So I think, you know, in every profession, there are people who are not good at finances. It's not just HR, as you're saying, which I don't, thing, but people in marketing, people, you know, in all sort of areas. But um, I think there are people who are who are very strong, who can make those arguments to the C-suite. And that's where we've got to 
be bolstering HR to have those uh, courageous conversations and you and having that data um, to be able to have those conversations and showing this is the value and the why you want to invest in HR. Well, I, I agree that HR is getting more analytical as as time goes on, but but I don't think that that's where it starts. I think that's an adaptation that's happening, and you're liable to see it more in big companies than small companies. Um, for sure, for sure. But but finances isn't the same as understanding the implications of an individual percentage match in recruiting or an individual percentage match in some sort of career pathing trajectory and and what it means to have that percentage match because the there's there's real fuzziness in general about analytics about people uh, for sure right right and so talking to the CFO great but using math to run HR um, and making data-driven decisions about people inside of HR without a really robust understanding of the underlying statistics, it's frightening to me, right? And 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 if you look at um, what a predictive tool, an AI predictive tool of some kind gives you as an output, it gives you a qualified answer with some sort of error rate associated with it. And error rates are funny things because because you can understand them intellectually, and that's very different than understanding them as something that happens to a friend of yours, right? And that, that, yeah. translation, that translation yeah. between math and human relations, um, I think it's the frontier for HR. Uh, um, um, I just I just don't have any sense that we have people in HR who are native and good at that uh, because it's always been the purview of IO people rather than the operating person on the ground. I think they're just from a data perspective, there's um, I'm, I will not take ownership of this, but for those of you that know Solange Taras, um, she is a, a former finance person who is uh, who's in the human capital space, who's been there for decades. She's fantastic, has written a book on this. And she talks about, in very simple terms, the HCROI, human capital return on investment. Very simple calculation to try to be, begin those conversations about um, sort of the value of human capital. And, you know, I'm going back to our work um, in the global community around human capital reporting, which is exactly that, giving people the tools to what, <clears throat> what are those things that, that you can, the data points that you can, um, you should be reporting on your human capital. Hopefully we'll get more definition uh, around this from the SEC soon, the, the Securities and Exchange Commission. But I mean, this has been, what, three years now that we've been waiting for some sort of definition from them. Um, they're saying they're they're going to be using the 30414 certification or accreditation or standard, um, but we'll see. So all of it's all surrounding the data, the numbers um, around the people. I know we're I know we're short on time. I, I'm I'm hearing that old data quandary, and that is 
even with AI, this becomes one more data point rolling up into whatever the larger decision is. And that I'm really hearing that you can't hang your hat or bet the farm on what comes off, you know, chat GPT or, or, or uh, so, so I don't know, John, we're still pretty early on in that AI journey, aren't we? We we are. And so, so, so here's the, here's the image that I like to, to inject at this point. Um, If you are the recipient of some sort of predictive recommendation from a machine, and you decide not to use that predictive recommendation, you're going to have to explain that to somebody. You're going to have to explain it to somebody. And the machine has the data and you don't. And so... <laughs> or they have more data. <laughs> and, and, and so how many times are you going to go mm. to your boss and say, I disagree with the machine before the boss stops listening to you? Because the, these are human beings in these systems, right? And so, so the ethics of that environment is... How do you make it so that people are resilient in their ability to think critically about the output that they get from the machine without folding their cards and going, man, every time I go to the boss and say this, this the machine's wrong and I'm right, he, he or she rolls their eyes uh, and, and sends me back. You know, the fifth or sixth time I disagree with the machine, I'm going to stop. Right. And that's, yeah. that's where the ethics problem lies. Yeah, is, I, I is think you yeah. institutional inertia um, favors the machine. You might also have a generational overlay here, because those of us who didn't have the advantage of the machine, so to speak, coming up through the ranks, um, might be more suspicious of the machine than perhaps the earlier entrants into the workplace who are very, they're digital natives to begin with. So perhaps they're not going to question anything coming from the machine. I think, I think we just have the basis of a whole other show that we've just uncovered here. (laughs) Um, I do want to thank you, Amy. I know we're at time and this is a big conversation and HRCI and HRSI are used to have big conversations, um, especially having now celebrated your 50th anniversary, which is a huge accomplishment, huge, and having touched so many HR professionals throughout it. Uh, Would you tell our listeners how they get in touch with you, where they find out more about individual and organizational certifications? Just take a moment and, and, uh, and bring them up to speed. Thanks, Jane. So to find a little bit more about HRCI, you can visit our webpage, uh, website at hrci.org. To find out more about HRSI, it's hrsi.org. And you can find out more about about us and about me. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn at Amy Dufresne. I encourage you to visit our website on hrci.org and you can sign up for our newsletter, which comes out on a a biweekly basis. And we're talking about um, topics just like this um, in very short, bite-sized blogs. And we're also talking about 
um, some of our upcoming webinars, which are free uh, to those individuals around the world that are interested in learning more about HR and the business world in which we all work. Well, thank you for that. And thank you so much for joining us today. John, did you want to add to that? No, no, this this was great. I want to know more about HRCI and HRSI. <laughs> We're going to both be at your websites. <laughs> Please come. <laughs> awesome. You've been listening to The Work, a podcast about the work. And our guest today was Dr. Amy Dufresne of HRCI and HRSI. Thank you for listening. We'll look forward to joining you on a future episode.